Hawks Live, every Thursday night at 7, live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka. Come on, guys. Let me take over. And Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome to Hawks Live. We're at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we're going to have Seahawks tight end Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette's going to join us later on. Hey, how about a little shout-out for Nick Vanette? We love Nick. Paul, come on. Where are you? Yeah, we got an opponent preview hopefully coming up. If uh, if there isn't somebody there, then Paul I got it. and I, Paul Moyer, will be our Do you think Nick's going to bring preview. his girlfriend? She was former Miss Idaho. Former Miss Idaho. They met on the Internet somehow. I, I can't and there's wait. something about Shoot Your Shot 2018. I'll explain that later. Thank you. But Nick Vanette, uh, and also we'll have the Professor John Clayton. We'll go inside the film room with Coach Paul Moyer, and we start every Thursday at 7 o'clock down here. I want to thank our sponsors, Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts. And Paul, 21-7 victory, really impressive on Monday night against the, the Minnesota Vikings, a really good team, kind of mediocre teams in, in the NFC. There's, it's peppered with 7-6, seven 6-7 and six, six and seven teams coming into this. I thought the Seahawks did a really good job of setting themselves apart. And right now, if the playoffs were to start, Seahawks would be the number five seed, probably go play Dallas in Dallas, who they beat earlier in the season. But uh, that was a good test for them. And especially the defense did a really good job holding up. I think it was 6 nothing until, like, what, three minutes in the game? And, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking back, like, five, six weeks before that, they had a 54-51 to 51 game on Monday Night Football, and it was uh, the Rams in Kansas City. And everybody was like, oh, this is the future of the NFL. And I'm like, nope, man, there's still some good defense being played, and uh, especially on Monday night from the Seahawks. Well, all this high-flying offense, it's, it's come back down to uh, reversion to the mean. Dave, we've talked about that yes, many times. you're a financial guy. And, and, and it does. You're watching the Kansas City Chiefs today struggle at home against the Chargers. Uh, New Orleans got really shut down by the Dallas Cowboys a week ago. Um, it, it, Rams, you know, they, they it was, it was, yeah, excuse me, and then the Rams against Chicago. Yeah, against Chicago so yeah. they've all come down right now, and it's because there are no geniuses in the NFL. There's nobody who says, oh, look at this. No one's ever seen this before. Right. It's still about execution, and I'll, and I'll trans, transition to, the, to our game. Minnesota was a great case. If you look at them, they had about 14 Pro Bowlers on their roster. Mm -hmm. Most of them on defense, but if you go and look at their offense from Kirk Cousins, and you can make a case for that, both of their wide receivers, um, uh, their running back Cook, they, they have some good players. And they're running the same stuff, same screens as the Rams and, and Kansas City. But execution is still what it's all about, and it's the finer details that matter. Minnesota just for whatever reason they had an offensive coordinator who was a quarterback coach the year before for Philadelphia it just did not transition to being an offensive coordinator you called his demise by the way on I, the post game I, show I, I feel bad about that because being a coach who's been I wasn't fired I just wasn't retained our whole staff hey that sounds like the end of my NFL career yes we yeah. weren't we weren't retained we still I had didn't a year retire left. they retired on me we, that's right and if you have a year left on your contract they didn't really fire you right yeah they, yeah, well, did, they didn't we'll retain us um but it, it's it, it's an uncomfortable feeling it's 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 hard on the ego and to, to uproot your family 
It's it's the worst. I mean, as a man, you know that. I mean, you you want to provide for your family. You want to. So I never want to wish that on any coach. But I I was just watching their tape, and I just go, man. If I was the head coach, I I don't think I could put up with the, the lack of attention to detail on what is that running back supposed to do? Is he supposed to be two yards outside? Is he supposed to have his shoulders square to the line of scrimmage? What, what are the little details? And they, it just didn't execute at all. Yeah. These other offensive are, are, but the defenses have caught up in the second half, uh, big time. And so, you know, I look at last week, it was a fantastic performance for our defense. We did everything we needed to do. They're, they're making plays now. We're scoring on defense. Um, we're keeping teams out of the end zone. But I do not want to take away what we did offensively. It was impressive. And I know that the yardage weren't there and the points weren't there. Yeah. But when you rush it 42 times and, and to do what we did, that's, that's hard to do to rush 42 times in a game of win. Yeah. And not have one negative yard from our running backs. Yeah. They, they ran 33 times last week for 156 yards for over five, I think it was 5.3 yards per carry. That against Minnesota's defense, who's loaded with Pro Bowlers. Yeah. To me, that was impressive. So it was still a team win, even though right. I thought the defense obviously well, dominated. Well, let's get back, back to the defense really quick yeah. because it went punt, 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 end of half, punt. Over on downs, over on downs, missed field goal, fumble. The first 10 drives for the Vikings. And there was some, some concern about the Seahawks defense giving up, what, 450 yards to San Francisco the week before. And you mentioned a word that I felt like there was no magic bullet. And just, it's kind of like the markets, right? It, Paul, you being a financial guy, like, it's like the trees don't grow to the sky. It's, at some point, there's going to be a bear market that's going to that's going to come around, and I feel like defense is the bear market, right? And yeah. so, you know, at some point, the defenses will catch up to the offenses. And you know, I thought the thing that the Seahawks did is a lot of people were asking questions, you know, why? What did they do scheme wise and everything? It's like, and we'll get into this later on in inside the film room. But on a fourth and one, and the Seahawks had two fourth down stops yeah. on a fourth and one in the middle of the field. Every player on defense was underneath. His pad level was underneath the opponent, and that was what that was all about. I thought, you know, it was more than anything. They executed all of the little details that you learn, and that's the most fundamental thing in football. Low man wins, right? Yeah. And the Seahawks went out with this young defense and did that. Yeah, I, I think oftentimes it's, we, we get too much in X's and O's. Yes. And, and, you know, you can draw up the best defensive play, the best offensive play, and you don't teach them all the finer things of, now how do you execute that? And the play you're talking about, which we're going to have later in about 20 minutes, is we executed that so well, which we'll, we'll go through. And I, I look at our defense and just how they've transitioned throughout the year, or evolved through the year. People say, oh, my God, they can't stop anybody. I go, yeah, yeah, they can. We're giving up too many big plays. So our average looks bad, but the median looks good. We, we are stopping guys in the run, but then all of a sudden there was a 30-yard run, and all of a sudden we go, wow, we're giving up six yards a run. I go, yeah, but, you know, 70% of those plays were two yards or less. What was so impressive last week for our offense, again, the longest run we had was 17 yards. The next longest was 11. Everything else was 10 or less. And we averaged almost five yards per carry, but well, actually 5.3 yards from the running backs. That means yeah. almost every play was four yards, five yards, five yards, yeah. six yards. 
That is dominant football for 42 plays just to grind on a team. That's why we're playoff ready. And this game was the first game I go, wow, no one can stop us running the football. It, it, they know it's coming. And that is, you know, that's a fun feeling where you go, yeah. I'm coming right here. Yeah. You can't stop it. Yeah, and that's the thing that uh, Schottenheimer was talking about, Brian Schottenheimer, in the, the beginning of, of the season. Like, we're going to run the ball even when they know it's going to happen. And so getting to the offense, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, here's a team, Paul, that sold out to stop the run, Carolina. And they loaded up up front, and they held the Seahawks to 75 yards rushing. But the, the beauty is... You have Russell Wilson, who is like the ultimate point guard. And the thing I love about him is that if, okay, you're going to take away the run, I'm going to throw for 340 yards and two touchdowns like he did in Carolina. Yep. Uh, this last week, well, and actually the next week they went San Francisco and uh, beat them 43-16, to and he threw it, what, 17 times? Four touchdowns on 11 completions. And then this last week, he pr- practically ran for more than he threw. So they just, they're able to adapt against opposing defenses. And, uh, you know, that's the thing. I think it's, I don't want to say it's all about Russell Wilson, but it's been uh, really impressive to see how Brian Schottenheimer and this offense has adapted. Well, and it's also Pete Carroll and where he goes, how do we win this football game? And it's not just, I can't just go talk to the offensive guys, I can't just go talk to the defensive guys. All right, here's how we're going to fo- win this football game as a team. And as a coach, you're, you're always looking, well, what do I do to take away a team's strength? How, you know, how do I go about beating them? Well, with the Seahawks, what do you do? Are you going to try and stop the run even though you cannot stop the run? Do we load up like uh, uh, Carolina did and all of a sudden we go over the top? Or what we did a, a few weeks ago against San Francisco, uh, it's, this is a tough team to match up with. So it's going to be yeah. a fun run because we are going to make the playoffs and we're going to be a tough team to knock out. Well, and the other thing that's difficult is you play a division opponent. You're going to see them twice a year. And uh, San Francisco, it's tough to beat teams two times in, in, in a season because there's lots of changes that get made. And coming up next, we'll talk about that on Hawks Live. We're going to talk about the San Francisco 49ers and the threats that they pose. And uh, we'll, we'll break it down. That's, that's next right here. On Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Dave Wyman and Paul Moyer. I want to thank Pearl for the delicious dinner before the show. Tonight we had chicken marsala. Be sure to join us every Thursday so you can enjoy the food here too. Did I say that right? Yeah. Last week I called it salmon for some <laughs> unknown reason. He's Ron Burgundy. He'll read. He'll I'll say read anything, anything that's yeah, on the I script. pronounce everything yes. that yeah. way. But okay, Paul, we're gonna we're gonna be doing the uh, opponent preview with the 49ers and kind of referenced this that. It's really difficult to beat a team twice within your division. And the main reason why is because the Seahawks had tons of success, obviously. They scored 43 points. The other team did not. So they're going to change things. And the Seahawks likely aren't. But, you know, they're going to, they're going to follow whatever formula. I thought that, uh, that our offense got into a really good groove. But what about this 49er offense? You look at Nick Mullins, and I'm, the last two games he's thrown for 750 yards and four touchdowns. 
He had one of the best debuts in NFL history, up there with like Fran Tarkington when he started off with the with the Raiders. But he's a he's a third string quarterback. You know, they got Dante Pettis, maybe the best tight end in the league, and George Kittle. Yeah. And then, you know, you've got a, a good running game, a top-ten running game with Matt Breida, who is probably going to be back off of injury, and Jeffrey Wilson, Jr., who uh, really put it on the, the Seahawks pretty good last time here in Seattle. What do you see out of their offense? Because I know Kyle Shanahan, I think, is a really good coach and does a really good job offensively. Yeah, I, I like what, you know, I don't want to – hurt uh, the 12s here but this is going to be a team they're, they're going to be a force in this league you know in the next few years they're, they're well coached they, they have a very good system um, they run the ball exceptionally well they do good things in the, with the screen game we saw that you know two weeks ago against them Th- this team is three and ten but they're ranked 14th offensively and 10th defensively the thing that's killing them is they're dead last and plus minus turnover ratio and that's the big difference and even last time we played them i 43 16 you go oh blowout and i go i i know the score was a blowout but we had three we caused three turnovers that was the uh, bobby wagner day and, well, those, and they were both inside the five yard line that's, and that's my point that those three turnovers were actually worth 28 points to the seahawks we stopped them from scoring two touchdowns that's 14 bobby takes one to the house the other way that's 21 we get the other turnover on a, a muff punt before the half. Instead of them being able to go down and get a field goal, we go and score a touchdown. Maybe it's 31-point difference. Yeah. So it, this will be a tough game, and part of it will be their offense because I think schematically the way they do things, the way they're coached, it's a challenge. The good thing for us is it's at a place you know, in, in Santa Clara that we'll, we'll have probably as many 12s there as they have 49er fans. Um, but we we got to get on his team, and and they want to knock us out. They they don't want us, you know, securing a playoff spot there. I mean, and trust me, Richard Sherman will get them try to be fired up again. But they're talented. You got Brita. Um, you mentioned the the young kid who, my goodness, Wilson, who we hadn't even heard of. Free agent. Oh uh, my rookie. goodness! He reminds me of the yeah. guy from uh, Lindsay from from Denver. Yeah. Two guys that just a chip on their shoulder. Thomas Rawls is rookie year. You know, yeah. just run with an attitude, carefree. Uh, the, the, the nice thing is, you know, they're still a little beat up in the secondary. I think Pierre Garçon just went on IR. But they do have one of the fastest wide receivers in the league, Goodwin. He's back healthy. Now, uh, you got Dante Pettis, who has come on, and he had two touchdowns against us two weeks ago. Nick Mullins. Just the name Nick Mullins means he's a gamer, right? At also, quarterback. I just... It's oh, cool Nick, because you got it's a son Nick. named Nick. That's Nick, why. I mean, what? We also got Nick Vanette coming up tonight, I mean, anybody named Vic can play football. <laughs> and and I, I just think it's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a grind-out one. Everybody says, oh, this is a, a one of the, they call it a trap game. Or, yeah. I don't, Paul, no, I, I don't even know what that means. I don't either. I was talking today to, to Danny and Jim, and they were talking about, well, maybe this is a letdown game. And I don't know if anybody was buying into that, but... I just don't ever remember thinking, oh, this is an easy one. And I, I still, I ask the players whenever we get them in, who do you play in two weeks? They don't know. Yeah. And they don't know what the stats are or anything like that. Football players are still the same from when we played. It's like all you know is what you're preparing for and what you see on film. And, and also, just real quick, Paul, pretty good defense as well. And uh, a couple of just trees over there in DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, they're both six seven, and uh, and they're playing hard. And 
there's a certain kind of freedom that goes along with playing when you really don't have anything to lose. They're not going anywhere. We ran the ball pretty well on them. <laughs> that was the one thing. And uh, but they were good, and they're they're the tenth ranked defense in the league right now. Um, they're they're good. I mean, if you go and look at what they're giving up right now, they're giving up four point one yards per carry uh, on against the run. They they've got thirty one sacks. It's it's the turnovers and them giving up sacks on offense, changing the field position that's killed them from winning. But I, I really do believe this game. And I'll, I'll, the three reasons. It's not a trap game. It's just it's a road game versus a divisional team on grass. And they're a good team. They just beat Denver, who was hot. Yeah. So we're going to have to play well to win. We can't turn the football over. Uh, and don't be surprised if this is a final drive, Russell Wilson comeback win. Yeah, and Seahawks, you know, they've had some great wins. Obviously, Monday night against uh, Minnesota, Green Bay, the the road win with Carolina. But this is one of those that sets up to, I think, the only uh, the only group that it traps are the fans, right? You, you know, these guys know what's coming, and I love what we saw out of, uh, out of them on Monday night. Well, coming up next, we're going to go inside the film room, and we're going to take a look at three of the biggest plays from last week and break them down with Coach Paul Moyer. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We're in Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar. Paul Moyer and Dave Wyman coming up at 8 o'clock. Seahawks tight end Nick Vanette is going to join us. We're here every Thursday starting at 7 o'clock. I want to thank our sponsors, Heritage Distillings Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts. And right now we're going to go inside the film room with three of the biggest plays from the Seahawks game on Monday night. And this was my favorite. Paul, I, I broke it down a little bit on uh, our website at 710sports.com, a little football 101 segment. And, you know, we talked about how good the defense was. And I thought that this, this play right here, which is the fourth and one at the Seahawks 40-yard line, there was a huge stop. They had two fourth-down stops uh, on Monday night. And this was the one that uh, demonstrated mostly what the Seahawks did on Monday night. Malone setback, Cousin under center, turns, hands to Murray, gets hit, he doesn't make it, but a flag comes in late, and I'm guessing maybe a hold on the Vikings, that's what I'm going to guess, but he does not make it as the Seahawks just stuffed him at the line of scrimmage. Right, It, it, it is going to go against Holding the Vikings. Offense, number 69, the decline, the result of the play is short of the line of game, first down. Frank Clark and Bobby Wagner both had really good games, and I thought they combined, along with Markevious Mingo, made a difference on this one, too, where every single player, if you look at them, they all got underneath the pads of the Minnesota Vikings. It's the most basic principle of football, low man wins. But how about Frank Clark? He's on the the tight end who is basically an offensive lineman that reported, kind of like George Fant does. And what did he come down across, what, four gaps Paul to in order to make the the first hit Bobby Wagner comes in finishes the whole thing off and this is great team defense here yeah it's um I, I always say the NFL is really hard it's not that complicated so let me explain this but I'm going to spend a little time on this so if you were lined head up on the center we would say you were in a zero technique 
If you were between the center and the guard, you'd be in a one technique. Head up on the guard, two. Between the guard and the tackle, three. So on and so forth. You get that, right? Not that complicated. Frank Clark was all the way outside the far tight end. They actually had a wing outside him, too. Another tight end who was off the football. So he was almost in what I would call a seven technique. He's very, very out wide. They motion, and so he, he slides back down to about the head up on the tight end, which, again, what I would call a six technique. He slices in, or he slants in, and he makes this play. The tight end whiffs. Actually, the flag was on the guy who tackled Frank Clark, who made the tackle on the running back. By the time he sliced all the way in, he was on the other side of the center, so he's on the other one technique between the other center and guard. That's how far across the field he came on this play. It's an unbelievable play from an unbelievable athlete. Bobby Wagner cleans it up and stones him. As you mentioned, Mingo comes up and because they run a trap, and he sees the trap, and he lowers. He has to get almost down to his knee, as you showed or talked about. It's just this is the difference between teams that draw up, and I'm the smartest guy in the world, all these X's and O's. It doesn't matter. You still have to execute. You know, people who are builders, you don't frame that different, right? But there are good framers. That was a fantastic goal line in this play. It was out in the field, but a short yardage play. So well played. Yeah, and we talked earlier about the Monday night game, 54 to 51, the Rams in, in Kansas City, and everybody think, oh, that's the, the future of the NFL. But it always comes back to this kind of thing. And I thought the way the Seahawks did that. And one of the things we found out today is that uh, we're talking to Justin Coleman. He said, you know, they coach fundamentals and technique deep into the season. Usually that's something you do in training camp early in the season, but they continue to teach that week in and week out. And I remember, Paul, when you were coaching and I was playing and you came to me and talked about my pad level. And, you know, it's just something that you just need to be reminded of. And that's what win ga- wins games in the end, especially when you get uh, late into the season. Another fourth down breakup here. Bradley McDougal breaks up a Kirk Cousins pass. Fourth and goal, stakes a little bit higher on this one, another fourth down, but they're all the way down to the one-yard line, and Bradley McDougal delivers. Cousins, shotgun snap, looks to the end zone, fires to the back, it's incomplete, the Seahawks knock it away. It's Bradley McDougal, intended for Kyle Rudolph, right under the goal post, and the ball knocked away, and the Seahawks dodge another bullet. Yeah, and Bradley, he's made a lot of plays this year. He's made a huge difference. And uh, the thing that impressed me is that he was outside of the tight end and almost had to kind of let him beat him on the on the inside and then closes really quickly and, and makes a great play on the ball. Yeah, this is another play where, and you, you mentioned, you know, Bradley McDougald has been so phenomenal this year, great open field tackler. This play shows how quick he is. And we talked about this on the post-game show. I wasn't 100% sure. I, I, I said that he was lined head up on Rudolph. And Rudolph was in the backfield, and he motioned outside, about four yards outside their offensive tackle. Who's a really good tight end. Very good tight end. Yeah. And McDougal's back off him about five yards, and he's just going to wait. He, he wants to see what Rudolph does and how he releases. Does he run a quick out route? Does he try to stem him and run back to the post? And Rudolph runs a very good route. He, he runs right at McDougal, and at the last second, he dips back inside to, to the post. Cousins throws it 
right when he breaks. So this is not a late throw. It's not a great throw because it's a little behind Rudolph. But as you said, McDougal lets him, because he doesn't know what to do at this point. You either interfere with him or you guess and cut him off to the post. And if he doesn't go there, you're beat to the outside. So you've got to let him run the route. He does, but he, he then undercuts it immediately. The ball's already thrown. Dave, this is a touchdown. Yeah. But his quickness, he's so quick. The ball's a little overthrown. He should have intercepted it. It surprised him because he thought he was going to have to just extend his right hand and knock it down. It ends up going all the way back to his left hand. Well, and like you said, if it had been thrown perfectly, he, he would have, have intercepted it. He might have picked it off. He, he wouldn't have been surprised because both his hands were extended and it came all the way back to his left hand. Phenomenal play. This is how you win games. Playmakers make plays and you win football games on fourth and one. Third play, Russell Wilson scrambles for 40 yards. I mentioned earlier he almost ran for more yards than he threw for and not that it was a bad game for Russell. He just he just took over, and, you know, he makes plays when he needs to. He throws it when he needs to, and Russell Wilson with a 40-yard scramble. Russell under center on second down, play fake. Rush is coming. Russell scampers out of trouble. Look out. Now he scrambles to the left side. Now he turns up field. 40-35, midfield, 40-35-30 down the near sidelines, and finally slides out of bounds. Russell, we almost said, no, 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 yes, baby. And he stays in bounds, a 40-yard run. Paul, uh, you know, really quick, I thought Dwayne Brown might have had the best game of anybody on the field. Yeah. Left tackle, did a great job bodying up, uh, shut down Everson Griffin. But Russell is able to turn the corner, and I, I think people talk about Russell's speed now and his quickness. <laughs> I'm like, he's fast enough. That's all that matters. You know, and that's the difference between a, a quarterback rating and a QBR rating. His quarterback rating was the lowest he's had in his career. But a play like this, your quarterback rating jumps up. They don't account for 40-yard runs. This play was a hard-stretched uh, play action to our right where the ball is lined up on the right hash. He's about four yards outside the hash by the time he gets 12 yards deep in the pocket. Brown, as you, you met, great game. He's got great protection on the defensive end, but defensive end because it's such a deep drop and it's so far to his his left. He comes underneath Brown. As, as Russell's stepping up into the pocket, he now has to jump outside, and that's where just enough speed. We do have Nick Vanette coming up. He's a key play on this because yep. there's a play on the sideline. He runs an out route, and obviously we don't throw it to him, and the safety is on him, and as the safety is right by the sideline, Nick just tosses him into the sideline about four yards wide, and that creates a scene for Russell Wilson. Huge and it, play and a game winner. And, of course, that was entirely legal, what he did. Well, he pushed him. Yeah, it's just he a didn't little shot there. Him. Yeah, and Paul, as you mentioned, we're going to talk to Nick Vanette in about 20 minutes. And But coming up next, we're going to cover the entire NFL and talk to the professor, John Clayton. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live at Pearl Seafood and Oyster Bar in Bellevue's Lincoln Square. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling's Batch Number 12 Vodka and Legendary Donuts on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Hawks Live. Paul Moyer, the hype meister. That wasn't Look Paul. at you. That wasn't Paul. That was you clapping. No. You're clapping for yourself Don't right mind now. the man behind the curtain. Clapping for your own show. <laughs> for you, Paul buddy. Moyer, Dave Wyman coming up at 8 o'clock. We're going to have Nick Vanette. But right now we join the professor, John Clayton. And, John, we've got a 21-14 game, Kansas City and San Diego. This is an interesting one because this could end up, if San Diego wins this game, 
It looked like Kansas City was going to run away with the AFC, but if they're able to, to pull this one out, San Diego, both teams will be 11-3. and three. Yeah, they could be, but it looks like it's going to be Kansas City winning the game because I'll tell you what, again, I don't think I've seen a quarterback hit the league as well as he has as Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this guy is absolutely unbelievable. I look at a quarterback that probably has two or three Super Bowls in him. I look at a quarterback that is as smart as he is talented. I mean, this guy is absolutely unbelievable. And right now with about 937 remaining, they're trying to drive to take a two-touchdown lead. And if they do, I mean, they're going to beat the Chargers, probably not have to have a meaningful game against Seattle coming in on Sunday night. Uh, but overall, I think that uh, the Chiefs have pretty well done a job. And I'm kind of amazed that, you know, Phillip Rivers has had two interceptions in this game. Uh, and that, I think, has been one of the turning points because he really cost them 10 points with those picks. But it's, it's a fun football game to watch, a good football game. And, you know, one of the more interesting Thursday night games, unfortunately, it's the last Thursday night game this year. Yeah, John, you know what? Uh, Monday night, Seahawks win 21-7. The thing I loved about that game so much is that when and you were at this game, the Rams in Kansas mm-hmm. City, and it was 54-51, and everybody thought, okay, this is the wave of the future with the NFL. I love that the Seahawks kind of brought everybody back by playing just good fundamental defense and how big of a win was that in your mind over minnesota for the seahawks oh it was huge because what it does it buys this team the ability to just kind of you know nurse injuries and not rush things in other words there's not a must-win game now in the last three yeah sure they've got to you know make sure that they win two out of the last three or three out of the last three and get to 10 wins but when you look at what's happened and this is the benefactor that the seattle seahawks have had in the sense that uh, everything has worked to their benefit. I mean, they've gotten all the breaks in the sense that you look at the six and seven teams right now, and all all three of them are messed up. I mean, Philadelphia right now not having Carson Wentz, but the broken uh, vertebrae. Then you have Washington just completely in shambles because of injuries, and the Carolina Panthers on a five-game losing streak, and the worst defense in football over the last five weeks of the season. You know, everything's all set. I mean, Minnesota is going to make the playoffs by default. But the huge part for Seattle is that by taking care of business, establishing himself as now one of the best teams in the NFC, you know, they have the luxury of resting players, playing players, but they have control of everything. And all they need, particularly if they beat the 49ers, which you would anticipate they would do, you win the game and everything's under control for the final couple of weeks. John, this is a strange year because early in the year, I mean, you had New Orleans, Kansas City, the Rams. You go, they're they're superior teams to everybody else, and now they're not. I mean, now it's mm-hmm. wide open. You just your thoughts on? I don't even, forget the Seahawks right now because that that would yep. that would skew you over there. But just just your thoughts on who you really think the favorite is right now. Well, I, I think the favorite right now would be New Orleans or the Rams and then Kansas City because they control home field advantage. And again, whoever gets the home field, particularly in the NFC, I think is going to go to the Super Bowl, whether it's the Rams or the New Orleans Saints. But what we saw last in week 14 was a little bit of a turning point because, again, when you have these high-powered offenses like they are, I mean, you are affected by weather conditions because you know you, you have so many – Fakes and you have so many different things, and so watch. We watched the Rams go to Chicago, and you know Jared Goff's terrible in cold weather, forty-nine point three percent completions. Then I watched a Baltimore team, which is as restricted of an offense of any in football, in the sense that all they can do is run the football with a running quarterback, and you know they can't ask uh, their quarterback to be able to throw more than twenty-five passes a game, much like the Houston uh, Texans 
with Deshaun Watson because of the bad offensive line. Yet what I watched was here it is fourth quarter, and all of a sudden, you know, you have the Chiefs at home trailing by seven points to Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. And so what you're seeing is there's five teams, Seattle included in this mix, that they match up against these top high-powered offenses, and if they run the football, they have no more than a seven-point lead. If you get to 10 points and 14 points, it becomes tough later in the second quarter. If you have a defense that gives up less than 23 points and then you win the turnover battle, you can win these games. And Seattle's one of five teams, I think, you know, and I include Houston, I include Baltimore, I include Chicago, I include Dallas. You know, those are some of the teams that if you play a game a certain way, you can win against these high-powered offenses, particularly if they get injured or they have problems late in the season. Injuries and you know, great win last week. You know, getting Michael Kendricks back was was fun. His energy is is smart. To lose him with that tibia injury, very disappointing. So, talk about the health of the Seahawks because that is key going into the playoffs. And KJ Wright, obviously a big one. Fluker, uh, just the overall health of the Seahawks and a couple of the key players. Well, today not good, but it doesn't matter because. Now, if, as long as they clinch the, uh, the playoff spot, and whether it's a fifth seed, 16, 6, it doesn't matter because you either play in Dallas or you play in Chicago. And you can debate which is the better place to go, but it doesn't matter. You're in the playoffs. And so now, unlike a lot of teams, you have the luxury of milking it for a week or two with the injuries. You, know, if you, you don't need to rush Doug Baldwin. You don't need to rush K.J. Wright. You don't need to rush D.J. Fluker. I mean, if they're healthy, you get them back. If not, you get everybody ready for the playoffs and then try not to suffer any new injuries. So, I mean, they're in a very fortunate state. I mean, they're in the same state in many ways that you can look at New Orleans, Kansas City, all those teams at the top that have either clinched or done some different things. Seattle's on the verge of being able to do that, and that's huge because now if you can go into the playoffs healthy – and, of course, that's where I think that you look at this, how smart they are with the way that they train, how smart they are with injuries. This is a big advantage for Seattle because now what you're doing is that you're managing to prepare for the playoff games and you don't have to rush guys back for injuries because there's no more must-wins. Hey, John, I think I heard – did I hear you talking to John Lynch this morning? Yeah, with, I did. Yeah, the, the GM, I know you have a good relationship with him. He's a, he's a great guy. Tell us about how he's portraying this team right now. They're obviously, you know, three and ten and out of the playoffs, but um, it, they're doing some interesting things there. Nick Mullins, I'm I'm curious to see what happens if he's really that good. They've got some good players on offense. What's the state of the 49ers according to John Lynch? Well, and again, it, it was good. That, I mean, because it was funny because we've been trying to get him all week. And then at the very last minute, he called and we were able to get the interview. And I got a, I've been fortunate to have such a great relationship with him. And what he was talking about is that, because the first thing I brought up, and you saw it in the game against the 49ers, I don't care. They lost by 27 points, where they, they, you know, 43 to 16. But they played hard. They didn't quit in the fourth quarter. They continued to drive. And where you see other teams starting to quit and guys starting to check out, they played hard. Now, they've been hit so hard by injuries, and we've talked about this on, this on the broadcast. I mean, they were down to their third-string safeties, and you know they, were, they lost their quarterback to a point. Now they're down to Nick Mullins as an undrafted guy that, that they picked up at the last minute. But I think you can see this team is going to be okay. It's just a matter that now, what since we've seen them last, they're going to start to play some of the younger guys to test them out because there's nothing to gain by playing the veterans like Earl Mitchell and Malcolm Smith and all that. So they're going to be younger than the team that was there 
two weeks ago. But I think that you can see this team is constructed pretty well. They just had the misfortune of too many injuries. You lose your quarterback, you lose Jared McKinnon. I think you know Matt Breida, who's a pretty good number two running back. I mean, I think they pushed him too much with injuries with the ankle that they really kind of put him in a tough spot. Space, but in the end, I think that the you know they'll be competitive. But again, you know they're going to be in a tough spot. But next year, I think they can make a big jump because they need more one more pass rusher. You know, they need uh, you know a cornerback on the other side of Richard Sherman. And if they start getting those things, I think you're going to be okay. All right, John. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4 o'clock on Danny, David Moore. And, of course, see you on the sidelines down at the 49er game. Thanks for joining us, buddy. That would be great. Can I say hi to Paul? Hi, Paul. Hi, John. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. That was so sweet. (laughs) Thank you. Very sweet. Thank you, John. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, coming up next. One of my favorite players. I love talking to Nick Vanette. He's got kind of a, a connection to Luke Wilson, who was one of our favorites. But tied in Nick Vanette, who's taken a huge step this week, and, or I'm sorry, this year, done a really good job. And he will be here live on stage. That's next right here on Hawks Live. <laughs> 